Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Colleges and universities are always seeking partnerships to extend their brand via brand marks, brand identities, logos, and colors. All form the toolkit for the chief marketing officers and athletic departments to raise awareness. With the changes in technology, social media, and the abundance of platforms today, the opportunities can overwhelm senior, senior leadership teams to decide how to promote their institutions and generate revenues. Today's discussion centers on revenue possibilities for historically black college and universities, commonly known as HBCUs. There are so many great things going on both on and for HBCUs that this seems like the perfect moment to catch lightning in a bottle and supercharge their brands. We have football legends like Deion Sanders drawing attention to Jackson State University. And of course, Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris has brought Howard University into the national discussion, just to name a few. We have the perfect person to talk about the tremendous growth opportunities in licensing HBCUs today. Corey Moss is the Chief Executive Officer at CLC. Corey has for more than 25 years been at the company, focusing on delivering content, continued growth of the licensing business through meaningful connections between collegiate brands and their fans. He currently serves on the board of directors for the John McClendon Minority Scholarship Foundation. This is an important discussion for institutions who want to find new resources for both their students athletes, and the bottom line. Hey, Corey, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. I really appreciate it. Listen, we have so much to talk about because the space, the space that you are in is so interesting. But first, for those who don't really understand about their institution as a brand, walk us through how that definition has evolved and why forward-thinking presidents and institutions should think about extending their brand through licensing opportunities. Yeah, well, it's, it's evolved incredibly over the years from when licensing on college campuses first started back in the early 80s. You know, it was about brand protection and really getting companies to not only pay for using the university's brands, but also put the universities in the middle of making sure that their brand was used correctly. And then so that it could span, expand into other consumers, other retailers, other manufacturers. So that was really the start, you know, it was really brand protection. Then it became a great source of revenue. Um, for institutions, which we know um, that is needed. But over time, it has evolved into being a true extension of the brand where it's in a positive mindset from the consumers. You know, licensed merchandise is now a, a representative of the university's much larger brand and really connecting those brands and the values of the audience. So it's really taken from this you know, just protection to revenue to now it's kind of the, the front porch of the university in some in some ways um, and just a great representation of what the university is all about. 
So give us an example. What does that look like today? Can you maybe pick an, an institution or a product line or a licensing deal that presidents could uh, help understand your, your explanation there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's really more than about just as, as I know you may have talked about hats and, and t-shirts. Um, you know, what, what licensing is, what we like to say is cradle to grave. We've seen everything from diapers to pacifiers to onesies to urns and caskets um, has been a licensed product. And so, and then it also spans not only from the actual licensed product, but to the virtual world as well. So there's licensed products just in, in all of this, but you know, it's a huge market, but what's extremely important is those, that's where that connection with the fans and the communities with the university's brand exists and you know obviously it's a walking billboard for the university like I take a lot of pride I'm a Hampton University graduate and I take a lot of pride when I put on Hampton University product and I want everybody to know it and I find those connections with other Hampton grads when they may not be wearing their product and I am they walk up and say hey I'm a Hampton graduate too so it's just that great connection that walking billboard those brand ambassadors every day when you put that on, you're, you're a representation of that brand and something that really gives a positive uh, vibe in, in the community. So um, I think that's where it's really evolved into. So Corey, I'm a tech geek. So I have to ask you about the technology space. I, I mean, I, I just can't believe, I just read about Meta and Meta <laughs> wanting to get into you know creating uh, stadium spaces. Atlanta Braves, your hometown. Yeah. as a whole meta universe of the, of the stadium. I mean, how does licensing fit into this? Yeah, so we're a part of that. We, have, as I mentioned, we have, we have actual products, caps, t-shirts, sweatshirts. We have virtual products too. So you can get those same virtual, if you're out in metaverse or you're in a virtual world, those digital products or those virtual products are also available. So I can have my persona, my avatar, whatever it may be, decked out in Hampton gear or Florida gear or whatever it may be, those are, those are also available. You know, there's also traditional products. I know one of the, um, you know, one of the, an acronyms that everybody has read about is NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens, right? And, and for us, that's, that's taken what has kind of been a physical product, maybe in a trading card, um, so to speak, if I can kind of simplify things a little bit, if you just take a trading card, and you put that in the virtual world. And instead of having just a, a static digital trading card, that trading card now comes to life. And there's audio play-by-play -play of a famous play, or there's video footage of that play. There's student athlete name, image, and likeness, because now the student athletes are in that play or in that digital um, experience that now consumers can buy and own and resell. And so there's a part of taking that physical product and adding more elements to it and creating a digital product um, that, NF, that, that has become what is a NFT. And so that's very exciting um, in, a, in another kind of category for licensed product. So if I'm, I'm a president who wants to grow my brand awareness, uh, probably extend my reach in terms of possible students that might want to come there. What kinds of advice do you give them to try to extend their brand a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, the as I said, the, the market is a lot 
bigger than just obviously hats and tees as we talked about cradle to grave and we've talked about virtual and actual product but it's a it's a really big marketplace like right now it's uh a, almost a three a little more than a three billion dollar marketplace uh in retail that's the that's the size of the the industry there's there's over four thousand manufacturers across almost 500 product categories and college product is sold in over a hundred thousand retailers. So it's this, it's this huge industry, but when you narrow that down to an individual institution, it's really the licensing has been a part of, or the products has been a part of the, the entire fabric of the community. It's more about lifestyle. Like I, when I went to Hampton, like I lived there, I, I grew up there, so to speak. I became, I came of age. And so it's it's about bigger than just you know one period of in my life or just one season because also when you're talking about licensing the opportunities compared to let's say to the NFL or the NBA like they're in season for one time and there's one there's 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 that one opportunity but when you're talking about college again like I said you live it you breathe it you've been there but then for the opportunity for sales it spans sports, it spans into graduation, um, it spans into other things. So there's almost a year long life cycle or opportunity for that brand to, to be sold and to be offered to the consumers. And so when we talk about expansion, we're talking about expanding to new products and new categories um, and new manufacturers so that you can find kind of the white space where maybe a brand isn't aligned with a particular retailer, it's not being sold, or a certain manufacturer that has a certain niche of consumers, maybe they're not licensed with the institution. So we try and find those opportunities for them and then extend it into newer retailers, newer product categories. And so again, that's that just helps the overall institution reach into new consumers um, and existing consumers as well. So that's what we're constantly trying to work with um, our institutions to do find new lights, find the right products and put them in the right places so they can find the right people. Got it. Got it. Well, one of the things I wanted to chat with you about today, because I knew, knew uh, our, our listeners need to understand, but HBCUs, uh, historically black colleges and universities, I feel like are having their moment in the sun. You know, you've got, you've got the vice president of the United States who went to Howard. You've got Dion Jackson at Jackson State. Yeah. You've got Grambling State uh, in, in the news. All kinds of ways that HBCUs are sort of cutting through the noise. Right. How can licensing really help not only with brand exposure, but also revenues for institutions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it and it actually does all that. Not like I said, I went to Hampton University, a proud HBCU alum, so I know firsthand those traditions, those camp, the campus culture, how loyal the the supporters are. And so, what we've tried to do, like you said, there is a moment, but this is also we feel like a movement. Like HBCUs have been around for a very long time, and now there's be you know with what has. Um, the special events, uh, so to speak, the 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 racial and social injustices that have that have kind of put a more focus on partnering with HBCUs and partnering with these under um, underserved communities. Um, what is, has happened is allowed those HBCUs to really partner with the best in class manufacturers, those best in class retailers. 
but really not kind of focus on just this moment. What we have helped our institutions do is partner with the right licensees, those manufacturers, and the right retailers that want to do more than just make money for the institution. And so a couple of, of I'll give you just a couple of those examples is a partnership that we helped with our H, some of our HBCUs and they formed with uh, Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters worked to create a, an HBCU line that, um, that was offered online um, for HBCUs. But one of the things that was in addition to that and why we wanted the partnership with Urban Outfitters more so maybe than any others is they were also offering internships yeah. to students from HBCUs. So, we had Howard, Clark Atlanta, um, and North Carolina A&T. We had students from those schools that then were offered internships um, at Urban Outfitters. And so travel and lodging was covered, but each intern not only worked with Urban Outfitters to create their own respective lines with some of the top licensees in the world, like Champion, Ebbetsfield, 47 Brands, and Follette, they were actually creating their own line. So they were gaining all of this intern experience, all of this design experience. And then they were working with Urban Outfitters in other initiatives as well. And so that's something that was beyond just offering a sweatshirt um, for HBCUs. We actually extended into the educational and the networking opportunities for their students. And so we're proud to have that what has been deemed as the, um, the Urban Outfitters summer class. Yep. For some of those institutions, we're expanding that to eight institutions um, for this next, this next season. So again, not just taking this moment and selling more sweatshirts, but also providing education and true work experience for their students. So that's, those are the types of relationships that we're trying to take what may be a moment, what some may consider as a movement or whatever it may be, and just say it's not going to be about the licensee signing up and selling more sweatshirts, which they do. Don't get me wrong. They do. And there is more money generated for HBCUs, which is needed. But how can we extend, extend that further? The other thing that I, that I know you've seen um, is around the NBA All-Star Game last year in Atlanta, this year in Cleveland, um, there were a number of initiatives around HBCUs from exposure of their institutions, classic basketball games, bands being invited to perform, scholarships being awarded, product lines were developed around NBA, the NBA All-Star Mark and those institutions that were participating. So yes, again, more sweatshirts, more t-shirts, more mugs, more keychain, whatever it may be is, is being sold but all of those other things that really are benefiting the HBCUs for the long haul internships and likewise, like those are things that are very important to really not only, like I said, maybe capitalize on this moment, but make sure it's about something bigger and something better for the institution has been extremely. And those are the things that we've tried to make sure that our HBCU partners, we represent 42 of them on the licensing side. So it's very important for us to, to have these extensions of opportunities for them. You know, I have so many questions about that, but number one, it's gotta be exciting to be in that space. I mean, just to see the growth uh, in the last, 
let's say five years, some of it's intentional, I'm sure, but some of it is all the technology, like you said, the technology and the clothing, the technology in the different spaces, the, the, the desire by people to personalize their connection, right, in their experience. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, I think I think that's a, extremely important. And like I said, don't get me wrong, there are there are some some of our HBCU programs, all of them have seen an increase in revenue. So that's that's been important. Some of them had even doubled revenue. So I think that that helps more sales, the more exposure. And so that means the manufacturers are being successful. The retailers are being successful because one of the worst things you could do is is create an HBCU or it doesn't matter, any school is create a product line and then not sell or put it in a retailer and it not sell. So the success of sales has been there. Things are flying off the, the shelves for a lot of these, these HBCUs. But yeah, the, the technology that helps um, that we provide to our institutions to manage that. So right now, schools have the ability to look and see who's licensed for their institution also helps them to understand what sales are happening, where their products are appearing, what categories, how much of their brands. Cause you know, at a, on a college campus, there's multiple logos that may be used on certain products. So they can also see what logo is selling the best and be able to help retailers understand where the opportunities are, manufacturers, what are the best logos to use for institutions? What are their, their brand guidelines? So there's a ton of technology kind of behind the system, so to speak, um, behind what's happening behind the scenes to really help the, the institutions manage how their licensing program actually appears um, for the consumer. So a ton of technology there behind the system, behind the scenes as well. It's so cool to hear you guys talk about the extensions and into internships and scholarships and the relationship building. So is the idea that once the student completes the internship or, or recognizes that they're being supported by a, a major company, what do you hope that relationship will build at that point? We want them. We want the student. I mean, I mean, when I went to college, I the first the first thing I want to do is get a job, right? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> when I got to school, I never, the one gift that I said that I gave my mom, the best gift I gave my mom and my dad is that when I graduated from college, I never asked them for another dime and I never moved back home, right? So what we want to do is with these internships and these educational opportunities and these other resources that are going to other revenue that's going back to scholarship funds is we want to provide better education opportunities for more people right, more students. So when they have that, and then we create these educational opportunities, these job opportunities for them, we hope that it turns into a long life and career for these, these students and something that they love and enjoy because it's, it's as you know, it's the competition is fierce for gra graduates. Um, and so helping them make these connections early on in their, in their college, um, matriculation is extremely important because we hope that turns into some lifelong opportunities for them. So it's, it's huge. The data supports that as well. When you look oh. at some of the workforce um, things that come out, students that have had access to internships or even co-ops in, inside of their undergraduate experience, especially, especially if they're paid, come out and, and with a stronger chance of landing their first job, best job. Versus, and this is where I worry about athletes, Corey, because 
they're so consumed with doing the work that they're doing for their coach, for their school, being a student, being an athlete, that I wonder if they have time to do the internships, if they have time to do the kinds of things that will advance them. So it sounds like in your case, you might work with them because you mentioned summer. Is, is, that, is that how it would work? Yeah. yeah. And then primarily we want to find the time when they are available. And, and granted, they go through a, a you know, a, 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 request a formal process to apply for the internships. We want to make sure that we're helping urban outfitters in that case, pick the right um, students from the right major. So it's working with a lot of departments across campus. So we want to find those that are in fashion or textile majors because of the jobs or the opportunities that they want to present to the student athletes or whether it's someone in business, a business major, or whether it's a communications major. We want to make sure that we're partnering the students with the right opportunity. So from those those correct majors, so that we're actually gearing them, um, steering them in the in the right direction. But we also want to find the time that is best for them. Given, again, if you're a student athlete, you're extremely busy. Um, and and if you're a student from other clubs and everything else, you're very busy. But you know, when can you find the time? And like we said, with a majority of them, it's through the summer internship programs. But it doesn't um, extend out there. Like we also, with a number of institutions, um, you know, we partner with New York Fashion Week as well. And so we're offering opportunities on when New York Fashion Week is happening over the course of a weekend where we're bringing students to, in, to, to see what happens at New York Fashion Week, meet designers, meet manufacturers, really get some, some uh, inside experience of the fashion industry. And again, so those things are happening on the weekend for, for them. So trying to find the times when they are available because they do have very busy, busy schedules. We could talk all day about names, image, and likeness. I know we oh. could, but what I wanted to talk to you about is something that's less discussed because it's still very much emerging. And that's this idea of group licensing, yeah. creating a license for you know, the entire campus or an entire athletics program. Talk to us about the work you're doing in that space. Yeah, I think group licensing is extremely important. And, I, and I'd say it really starts primarily from, from two reasons. One, it's, well, I'd say three. One, it's the things that students and student athletes in particular understand. They understand group licensing because they see their professional counterparts professional athletes do group licensing deals, whether it's jerseys, video games, trading cards, they, they get that, they, under, they understand that. The, the second part is they also know that there's kind of a, a precedent of a financial structure that kind of has governed that in the professional leagues. It can be taken and adopted to student, student athletes in college, right? So they understand that there's probably this model that they don't have to really worry about negotiating the best deal because there's many, many students, athletes involved across many, many institutions. And that's primarily what group licensing is about. So they understand it. They understand that it doesn't um, require a lot of back and forth um, because um, they, they understand the category and they watch what has happened. On accounts. And there's not a lot that's needed from them in order to do a group licensing deal. Right. Right. So it doesn't take time away from class. 
doesn't take time away from practice. It doesn't take time away from their games. And so there's not a whole lot of work that they need to do uh, a, a, um, a jersey with their name and number on the back. They just need, you know, the manufacturer just needs to know that they're, they're opted in and that what's their name and what their, what's their number. And now there's a process and technology behind that, that tracks sales and, and their payments. And so that's primarily what group licensing about is about and because it's easy for student athletes to participate in, doesn't take a lot of time, and they understand how the financial architecture and structure of it works. And so now the manufacturers, if they can have a place where all of these students across multiple institutions, let's say for all the football players at 130 institutions, it's easy for them to say, yes, I would, here's the terms and conditions of possibly being in an EA college football game. And yes, I wanna be a part of that. We help track those opt-ins in that. So we know if there's 13,000 student athletes that can potentially be in an EA video game on college football, we know if there's 12,497 of them that opted in and the 500 plus that opted out, we now can tell through our partnership with one team can tell EA who's in those games and who's not and try and get more, try and get 100%. But then that makes that process easier because now we have also in that process is we're also trying to track where the students may, if you're a football player, you may decide to transfer and go to another institution. So there's a lot of technology that's involved in that. But I just say all of that to say is we're trying to, our partnership in group licensing is trying to simplify the process for the student athletes make it easy for them to see the opportunities, opt in or opt out to them, provide that information to the manufacturers so then they can create the product lines and then help them with a process for getting the payments from the, the manufacturers to the student athletes. Try and make that easy. Group licensing is the best way to do that. And the one that doesn't require a whole lot of time and labor and work from the student athletes to participate in it. And you all manage the compliance aspect too, right? Because right now we've got multiple states, <laughs> multiple things. And is, am I correct in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we offer tech technology in that uh, respect to compliance departments um, through our Compass platform. And if you think about this, I'll try and make this simple. From a licensing standpoint, when a manufacturer produces a mug, as I said, they're getting that artwork approved. They're also telling the institution that mug is being sold at this price at this retailer. Take that very similar technology and just insert a student athlete. If, this, if the licensee can tell us where the mug is being sold and how much, all the student athlete needs to do in a very similar piece of a very similar platform is say what they're doing, when they're doing it, who are they doing it for, and how much are they getting paid to do that? And so that comes into a system for the compliance departments to be able to understand what's happening with all of their student athletes, have all that information roll up so they can see it in aggregate, but also if they ever need to report it out, what's happening with the football team to the football coach or to the athletic director, or if there's some, if there's some reporting that may need to be done to the NCA or to the federal government as they, kind of get involved on some of these guidelines. Um, 
that reporting is done through the system for them. So we've tried to lean in and take our expertise on the licensing side and really help the compliance departments um, really get their arms around or the athletic departments get their arms around what's happening with the, with the student athletes because we know there's a lot. They're doing social media posts and getting paid for it, some in cash, some in product. You know, they're doing endorsement deals. They're doing, um, they're doing training camps and private lessons. They're doing birthday parties. I mean, they could be doing so many things, but it's about them disclosing that to the institutions and we're trying to make that easier for them so that then all the powers that be understand what's actually happening. I can hear a major sigh of relief from president and <laughs> trustees saying, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, we think so. And again, uh, we think we're the best at doing that because we've done it ever since 1981 for colleges and universities when our company was in existence. We know disclosure, we know tracking, we know approvals, we know process, we know procedures, we know guidelines, we know rules and restrictions. So it's just taking what we have done for 40 plus years and trying to help the compliance departments do that. And just remind us what the original uh, idea was. Where did the idea come from to create your company? I don't think people know that history. Yeah, so um, it, it's funny. And I just, I, I talked to Bill Battle, who's the founder of our company, um, probably about a week ago. And we actually have a, a, we actually have a kind of a monthly kind of get together on Zoom. So, so this virtual, um, virtual Zoom world has helped us stay in contact. But Bill Battle was the head coach at, um, he played for Paul Bear Bryant at Alabama. He was a head coach at University of Tennessee, decided to get out of coaching, whether they pushed him out or he got out. That's, I'll let him tell you that story. But, um, but anyway, as a, as a part of that, he was working at a company and um, Paul Bear Bryant was on the board of that company. And one of his jobs at the time was to go get Paul Bear Bryant and make sure he got him to the board meeting. And so at that time, Paul Bear Bryant was about to um, eclipse Alonzo Stagg in the most, in the winningest uh, coach in college football. And so Bear Bryant was represented um, at the time, had an agent. And Bill was saying to him on one of his drives from picking up and driving him to the board meeting that, um, that hey, you're getting ready to eclipse this mark. I'm sure there's a lot of people that want you to appear on product, make speeches. And he said, yeah, I have an agent who's trying to work on it. He wants me to do all these things. And really my agent, I want him to decline everything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to, I just want to coach football. And so Bill said, well, let me do that for you. Let me, let me find the right opportunities for you. Ones that you really should do. I played for you for many years. I've known you forever. I, I kind of know you better than anybody else. And so Paul Bear Bryant said, great, do that. And so when Bill had the rights to Paul Bear Bryant, as he's coming up on this milestone, a lot of companies came to Bill and said, I want to use the Alabama Mark II. So Bill said, I need to go find out who gives the rights to Alabama. And so he drove and find, found a guy named Finance Gaston, who was trying to start the Alabama licensing program back then, and said, well, you're trying to start it. I got everybody coming to me that wants your coach. As they come to me, why don't you let me do this on behalf of Alabama too? And from that point on, when he co-branded Paul Bear Bryant, the coach with the school marks, 
He did that for Alabama, and then that has led us to where we sit today, rep representing 800 institutions in, in the licensing space. And so if you think about it, when you talk about name, image, and likeness, student athletes, and being on products with school marks, it actually is how this business started in 1981, because it was the name, image, and likeness of Paul Bear Bryant, combining with Alabama marks that started this thing that we know as college licensing. And it just shows how deep your roots are in college sports. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, and, and everybody today recognizes Alabama as, as one of the preeminent brands in the country across almost every sport. Right. So it, it's, it's important for people to know that history. So here's my last question. I have presidents, trustees, vice presidents, CFOs, deans listening to this podcast what kinds of things should they be paying attention to in this fast changing space? Yeah, I think uh, brand value is extremely important. Like, don't just think of this, you're a licensing person on campus, or if you're partnered, if you're one of our 800 institutions, don't just think about this as t-shirts and caps. This is about your brand and, and maintaining the value of your brand. There's so much that goes in. I didn't even get into the labor rights issues and, and, and corporate social rock responsibility that goes along with it. We've talked a little bit about name, image, and likeness and how student athletes are gonna wanna use your brand, but it's about working with your licensing department to make sure that you're working with the best in class companies. You're finding the right partners to offer the right products to your consumer base. And that is a walking billboard for what your institution represents and the brand values that you have. So just, I would just say, just don't think about it in that small piece of a hat or a t-shirt. It is about so much uh, bigger and you have experts on your campus in licensing directors or whoever's managing your licensing program, that really should be a major part of everything you do in trying to build your brand, particularly when it comes to all of these things that, that may come into play because it's about connecting that brand with consumers. Cora, you've given us a lot to think about today and digest. And I'm hoping people, if they didn't quite get it, will press rewind and listen again. Um, it, it's a fascinating space. And, and I hope to have you back to talk more about NIL, particularly when it starts to settle down a little bit, because it feels a little crazy right now. Well, uh, that may be never then if you want okay. to. I may, I may <laughs> no, never no. be back. So you gotta, you're going to have to invite well, me back. Yeah, no, I have to bring you back. Well, maybe it comes just a little bit clearer, but not when it settles down. It's, I don't uh, think that's true. That, let's let's <laughs> Let's leave it there. That's a good idea. But um, this has been enormously helpful. I just don't have it um, gotten that people really have thought much about this space. They get the t-shirts and the mugs, but everything else is changing so quickly. And that's why I thought you'd be a really great guest to have. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'll, I'll come back anytime. That's great.